Friends, tonight we have two scripture readings. The first is from John chapter 3, where we'll be reading the first 18 verses. And then the second is from Colossians chapter 4. So if you'd like to uh, turn to John chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Familiar words to many of us, I'm sure. John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. And as we read, remember that this is the very word of God. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send a son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And our second scripture reading is from Colossians chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. Colossians chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him, and Jesus, who is called Justice. 
These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you read also the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is God's word, and we thank him for it. Friends, just before we turn to God's word, we're going to pray and ask him for his help. Lord, as we come to your word now, we ask that it would bless us. We ask certainly that we would receive it as the word of God, not as the word of man, certainly not the word of John Brogan, but the word of the creator of the heavens and earth, the very one who sent his son to save us from our sin. Lord, bless us over these next 20 or so minutes. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Folks, are there any movie fans among us? No? No one watches movies. Or no one will admit to watching movies. I won't ask what kind of movies you're watching, don't worry. Folks, usually the least exciting part of watching a movie is the end credits. Well, it kind of depends, I suppose, on the movie. Depending on the movie, that could be the most exciting part because it means you get to leave the cinema. We tend to find credits quite boring because it's really just a list of names. And they're certainly there for a reason, we know. But in general, they don't really tend to mean very much if we don't know anyone on the list. In fact, if we do know anybody on the list of credits, we'll probably run through it and pause it and take a photo and put it on Facebook or something, just so we know that we're famous. The endings of Paul's letters in the New Testament can often found, uh, feel like the credits of a movie. A list of names that are there uh, certainly for a reason, but can nearly kind of feel irrelevant to us because we don't know any of the folks personally. Our reading from Colossians is a great example of that. So we read about these quite difficult names to pronounce. Uh, Tychicus, Onesimus, Aristarchus, Mark, Justus, Epaphras, Luke, Demas, Nympha, and Archippus. People who were very obviously and clearly important to Paul and to Timothy, and names who the folk at Colossae certainly would have recognized and prayed for. Uh, we probably, I hope, recognize Mark and Luke as the authors of their Gospels. Some of us, if we're a little bit more familiar with Scripture, would know Onesimus as the bondservant at the center of Paul's letter to Philemon. But outside of that, Tychicus and Aristarchus and Justice and the others probably aren't characters that will spring to mind if we think of the giants of the Christian faith, of men and women who we are ever called to imitate as spiritual heroes. So why are they there? Well, certainly they highlight to us that uh, no matter who we are, as long as we know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, we are useful in the Lord's service. Because there's a great deal of diversity among the names that Paul mentions. We read of Tychicus, who was from the province of Asia. We know about him from Acts 20. Onesimus, as we've mentioned, was a bondservant slave, according to Philemon. 
He was also from Colossae. That's why Paul calls him one of you in verse 9. Aristarchus was from Thessalonica, as we read again in Acts 20. Paul describes him as a traveling companion, so obviously a very close friend. Mark, the author of his gospel, is named there. Justice, we don't really have very much more information on. Epaphras is another guy who was from Colossae, so one of them. Epaphras is actually a very important character in Colossians because uh, he, is one of the, he was the first one to share the gospel with them in Colossae. Then there's Luke, who's not a slave, not a preacher, but a medical doctor. And then there's a guy called Demas, who Paul mentions in 2 Timothy. And then Paul closes by mentioning some folks in another village, uh, another town at Laodicea. Nympha, a woman who evidently owned a house where the church met, and a guy called Archippus, who seemingly was the minister of that church, who Paul encourages uh, to keep on keeping on. So what do three Jews, a medical doctor, a slave, a church planter, an Asian, a few Gentiles, and a woman who owns a house have in common? That is not the introduction to a joke. Because on paper, thank you, uh, because on paper, it doesn't sound that, like they really have very much in common at all. Their differences certainly would have divided them socially, would have divided them politically, and certainly would have divided them religiously. But the good news is that the kingdom of God is different than what we might expect. The kingdom of God is very diff different than the kingdoms on this earth. Because for all of their differences, they were all united through faith alone in Christ alone. And they were able to serve in the kingdom of God. When they were saved, they didn't stop being ethnically Jewish. They didn't stop being slaves. They didn't stop being doctors. They didn't stop being Asian. They didn't stop being Gentiles or whatever else. In fact, as this list is very much a practical outworking of what Paul says in Colossians 3.11. Here, there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all, and Christ is in all. That's because none of those things bring anyone closer to God or push them further away from God. The only thing that matters ultimately is knowing and loving the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Being a Gentile is not a sin. Being a Jew is not a sin. Being circumcised, uncircumcised are not sins. Being as uneducated as a barbarian, being as uncivilized as a Scythian, or being a slave, a slave or being free are not sins. But also, there are no spiritual advantages in any of those things. In fact, that was the key mistake of the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees believed wrongly that God loved just one nation, just one country, and just one people because of who they were and the rules that they kept. That's one of the central points that Jesus makes when he's talking to this Pharisee, Nicodemus. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Read that in John 3.3. 3. Whether you were born as a Jew, a Gentile, a barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, or in our context, perhaps we could add to that Irish, British, American, French, Chinese, Ukrainian, Russian, whatever. Those things ultimately mean nothing in our ability to see the kingdom of God. Certainly, we may see the United Kingdom, we may see the United States of America, we may see the Irish Republic, whatever. But scripture says that unless we are born again, 
we will never see the kingdom of God. Epaphras and Onesimus were from Colossae, seemingly that's where they were born. Folks, it didn't take a miracle for Onesimus and Epaphras to see the beauty of the kingdom, if you like, of Colossae. Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice were from Israel. That's where they were born, that's where they grew up. It didn't take a miracle for them to see the glory of the kingdom of Israel. But for any of them, and for us, to see the splendor and glory of the kingdom of heaven, it does indeed take a miracle. We have to be born again. That's part of the beauty of the gospel, that it's good news for everyone. No one is ever excluded from the free offer of the gospel. It's actually that famous verse that Jesus explains to Nicodemus, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved Colossae that he gave his one and only son. For God so loved Thessalonica that he gave his one and only son. For God so loved Buckna, Carnalbana, Glenarm, Carnloch that he gave his one and only son. Friends, the gospel is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life in that eternal kingdom, the kingdom of God. Because that is frequently one of the attacks on the gospel, isn't it? Some people try to wrap up the gospel in flags or in politics. Some people try to hide the gospel with entertainment. Some people confuse it with moralism. There's nothing wrong with flags or politics. There's nothing wrong, certainly, with entertainment. There's nothing wrong with moralism. But friends, you can be teetotal, you can even tie their herb garden, like the Pharisees, and still not be born again. What does God say? Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Friends, is that not a frightening thought for anyone who is not born again? For those family and friends, perhaps, that we have who are not born again, You know, anyone can wave a flag. Anyone can join a political party. Anyone can be moral. Many do and many are. But friends, none of that means that you are born again. God's word doesn't say whoever tries their best is not condemned. God's word doesn't say whoever doesn't do anyone any harm is not condemned. God's word doesn't even say whoever is baptized or takes communion or is a leader in a church or in an organization is not condemned. God's word is crystal clear, absolutely crystal clear. It is only those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who are not condemned. Folks, that is very important to grasp and to understand because it means if you don't believe 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever you do to live, thrive, or survive, God says at this very moment, you stand condemned already before God. And it's not because you're not a nice person. It's not because you're not a kind person. It's because you have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, there was one of the names that Paul mentions in Colossians 4.14, a guy called Demas. Demas was evidently a man who looked the part. He was a leader in the church. Paul describes him as a fellow worker alongside Epaphras, Mark, Aristarchus, and Luke in the book of Philemon. On the surface, Demas appeared to believe. If he walked into one of the churches in Balamina Presbytery, he probably would have made quite a splash, probably would have got invited to speak at lots of things. Do you know what's so tragic about Demas? By the time Paul is nearing his death, in his final letter, 2 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, do your best to come to me quickly for Demas because he loved the world, has deserted me, and gone to Thessalonica. Often when we hear that warning, we think that love for this world often means backsliding, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, perhaps. Folks, that's not really what it means. What it's referring to is Demas's reason for getting up out of bed in the morning was not the kingdom of heaven. It was not the kingdom of God. Demas's reason for getting up in the morning, evidently, was whatever Thessalonica had to offer over the kingdom of God. Stability, money, career, security, who knows? Nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves, certainly. But when Paul says that Demas loved this world, he uses a very particular word, agape. There's four words in Greek for love. Agape is the word for love that expresses God's special love for his people and God's, people, uh, God's people's love for him. It's covenant love. It's love that comes with a, cross, uh, with a cost. It's the same word that Jesus uses in John 3.16 when he says that God loved the world. A love that comes with a cost. God so loved the world that he gave that he gave his one and only son to save us and to bring us into his kingdom. Demas so loved the world that he gave his very own soul. Demas and those like him are the types of folk that Jesus asks this question to in Mark 8. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet lose their very soul? Folks, even if Demas became king of Thessalonica, at what cost? Even if he became king of the world, at what cost? His very soul. Do you know what Demas and Paul both have in common today? Well, they're both dead, obviously. But one is in the kingdom of heaven and one is in hell. Isn't that a frightening thought that 2,000 years after he died, 
Damas is not one day closer to getting out of hell. And in another 2,000 years, he will still not be one day closer to getting out of hell. That's what we mean by eternity. Why? Because foolishly, Damas so loved this world that he gave his one and only soul. Folks, that was a stupid choice. If we could have Demas sitting right here, Demas would tell you that was a stupid choice. But stunningly, it is still the same stupid choice that so many people in so many churches continue to make. Don't take my word for it. Listen again to the word of God. John 3.18. Whoever believes in Jesus, that's whoever believes, not whoever believes plus X, Y, and Z. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Folks, this evening, please do not just sit there presuming that you are saved because you're a prod and you don't do anyone any harm. I hear that a lot. And it's frightening. I'm Protestant. I don't do anyone any harm. Therefore, I'm all right. Friends, be under no doubt, under no illusion, that God's love cost him God loves this world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do you know what a wonderful thing for that gospel promise? That you and I are included in that whoever, whoever you are. Folks, God is not waiting for you to get your act together before you come to him. Be singing that at the end, just as I am. The invitation is open now. Today's the day of salvation, not next week. None of us know if we have another breath in our body. The gospel promise is that if you believe, you will not perish like Demas, but you will have eternal life. Friends, that is only for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior from sin. Friends, this evening, honestly, honestly ask yourself, what group are you in? Don't worry about the guy behind you, in front of you. Don't worry about the guy up here, to your left or right. Think solely of yourself. Are you in the group who believes and is thus forgiven? Or are you in the group who does not believe, but this very night stands condemned. That's what God's word says. One of two groups, wheat, tares, sheep, goats, all through scripture is consistent, saved or lost, believer, unbeliever. Folks, that's the choice that you have to make for yourself. God doesn't have grandchildren, as we say. No one can make that choice for you. No one can believe on your behalf. But friends, please don't walk out that door being under any illusion. Because it is only those who have repented of their sin, put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
In other words, who have believed, who will not perish but have eternal life. That's the gospel promise. Believe it or reject it, that's the gospel promise. Will you follow Demas, who so loved this world that he gave his one and only soul to a lost eternity in hell? Or will even some of you turn to the one true living God, just as you are? The one true living God, who so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son, who came to this earth to take your sin, my sin, on the cross to bring us to the kingdom of heaven. Let us pray. Lord, this night we thank you for the beauty of the gospel. We thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. Lord, we thank you that not one single person could say they deserve your forgiveness. Lord, though the news is so bad that all have sinned and fallen short of your glory, We thank you that the gospel promises even greater that whoever believes will be saved. Lord, for those who don't believe, we pray that this evening would be the day of salvation. Lord, for those of us who do believe, we pray that you would drive us to prayer for those whom we love, who we know, who we care for. Lord, even our enemies that you would open their eyes and that they would see the beauty and necessity of a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, bless us this day. Bless your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.